You are listening to Church Tech Profiles, episode 19 for the week of March 22nd, 2021, Nathan LaGrange. Well, hey everybody, this is Van, and I am so excited to have Nathan on. Just to give you a little backstory of how I met Nathan, when SALT Conference first started, and if you don't know anything about SALT Conference, well, you haven't been paying attention to any of our podcasts because we talk about it all the time, but you can go to saltnashville.com if you want more information. The very first SALT Conference, Mike Sessler and I were tech directors and we were getting really burned out at our jobs. We were working really, really hard, as you all understand. We had already started doing videos for Church Tech Weekly and for the Church Tech Arts website, and those videos were paying for us to be able to go to conferences. Neither one of our churches had conference budgets. We devised this plan so we could go to conferences by getting sponsorships and do videos, and it worked. And we were able to go to a ton of conferences that year. But we we went to five or six conferences and did videos at all of them. Besides our full-time jobs, we were very tired. Luke McElroy, who started SALT, asked us to come to the first SALT. And he basically just said, you guys need to come to this. I'm not going to charge you for tickets. I just want you to be there. Come, receive, hang out. Don't pour into anybody. I don't want you to teach classes. I don't want you to speak. I don't want you to do anything. I don't want even want you to do videos or a podcast from here or anything. I want you to receive just, you guys can just sit in the back and just receive. And we did. And Nathan was the speaker in the very last night of the closing ceremony. And I think there's video of it, but they had had a lot of really cool technology and they had simplified it down. So basically there was a lot of technology the first night by the third night, fourth night, whatever night it was. I don't remember how many days it was at that time. It was just simple. And there was a big giant cross made out of truss with led lights in it. And that was the only thing in the room and the entire room was dark. Um, Nick Rivero built the cross and it was amazing. Nathan spoke that night and it was one of the most refreshing times for Mike and I. We still talk about it uh, to this day. So Nathan is an awesome guy. He's been in full-time ministry for many, many years. He and his wife, uh, Tricia, have been in full-time ministry up to this last year, but they took some time off and we're going to talk about that in in the podcast. They took some time off and they are starting a new ministry ministry that is dedicated towards helping ministers and people in ministry, which includes the people in tech and production. So I'm not going to talk much more about that, but Nathan is an amazing guy. He loves the church. He loves people and he loves the tech and the salt community, the production community, the creative community. Here is my conversation with Nathan LaGrange. Enjoy. All right. So I'm here with Nathan LaGrange uh, and we have been, as usual, you hear this all the time when we, when we do the podcast, we've been talking for hours, way longer than we should have been talking and not recording. I don't know why I've gotten into this, this, this thing of just just doing that. I know I should just hit record or whatever. So Nathan, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Van. Good to be with you. So um, I decided to have, uh, I've been wanting to have Nathan on for a while. And so it's called church tech profiles, but, and Nathan's not a tech, <laughs> but, but, but here's the thing. Here's why I wanted to have Nathan. On. I have it's, an it's, iPhone. You, ha- you have an you iPhone and you do have a very nice microphone and you've got ear earbuds in. So there you go. That's technology. But, um, in a but former life. if you, if you don't, if you don't know Nathan, he has spent many years just pouring into, uh, the church production uh, world and the people in it. In fact, I met, uh, you, we met at salt, mm-hmm. um, what, four or five, five years ago. Um, when did you get, in, did you get involved? In, were you in salt from the beginning? Right at the very beginning. Yeah. So, so we, 13. so we had to have met that first year in Nashville when yep. Mike and I came out and just sat in the back of the room and we weren't involved at all. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure because because you spoke. Oh yeah, it was the cross. The, right. Yeah, yeah, the cross yep, night. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. So yep. you you yeah yeah spoke. It, that, Not to be confused with other nights. Literally one of the most impactful things I've ever been a part of in my life 
was yep. that was the the LED lit cross than the Nick Rivera Nick Rivera yeah creation yeah, yeah absolutely was, you know and and Mike and I weren't actually even going to come and uh, Luke was like uh, look if you can get here you don't have you just come hang out mm-hmm. just 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 hang out you you can come you can come for free don't because we were both still tech directors at the time. He goes, I think that you, you, and cause I, you know, Luke and, and Mike and I've known each other for a long time. And, and so he's like, you guys need this, just be here. And you guys yeah. don't have to contribute anything. Cause you guys are always pouring in to the community. Come to this yep. and, and just, receive, re, and receive. receive, which is, and, <laughs> yeah. And so Mike and I were like, eh, okay, yeah, we should go. Oh, we shouldn't go. And both of us were living in Southern California at the time. Mike wasn't out in Nashville like he is now, but, and so we're like, I don't know, whatever, you know? And so we went and I'm telling you, it was, um, and that was the first salt. So it was, uh, it was like shoestring, yeah. bailing yeah. wire and gaff tape. Yeah. It was, it was nuts. It was fantastic. It was awesome. And I mean, the classes were like in this church and like, there was a storefront across the street and like, yeah, where we had lunch and like a weird cafeteria. It was just crazy. It was was insane. Possibly one of the best events that I've ever been to. And it's one of the things that uh, ended up one of the reasons that we are such to this day, such huge advocates of what Luke is doing with salt. Yeah. And um, you know, so, so, uh, you know, but you and I've had um, several, you know, many really good conversations in the hallway at Salt. Yeah, and I think you've <laughs> I, again. I think the the beautiful thing about Salt, and and thank God for Luke and his vision and, and the way that people have rallied around that. I think the beautiful thing about Salt was let's find a group and a community of people that are often on the back burner and who are right. often used to simply giving out, and let's figure out how to give back. Let's figure out how to um, you know give others the opportunity to receive, which can feel like probably you and Mike experienced when you're sitting in the back, odd. It just feels yeah. odd. I mean, well, it was really probably hard. looking around going, wait, am I not supposed to be doing something? Should I, should I be doing something? Right. And I, I think it's that, that's the mentality that I think a lot of us have, myself included, where I'm just used to doing and yeah. I don't know how to sit still and I don't know how to receive. Right. And that becomes a big problem. Well, we're going to talk, we're going to talk a little bit about what you're doing now to help sure. people who are, who are in ministry and, and what you're, you know, what you've been doing for a while. So for folks who don't know who you are, give, sure. give, give a little, give a little elevator, like how you got into ministry, no, you know, what's good. your, you know, I mean, we could talk for hours four, and hours, obviously, but yeah, but I mean, how, how you got to, you know, how, kind of how you gained a passion, not just to be in ministry, but to minister to those who are in ministry. Sure. You know, so that, that kind of what's your, what's been your, uh, what's, what's been your, your uh, trail? Yeah. I think, I think it's always helpful to know I did not grow up in the church. I grew up in a home with parents that loved me and loved each other and are still married after 50 plus years. And so I don't have some tragic story of, of something awful that I came from. I grew up in a way, though, that the faith tradition we were a part of, I didn't want to have anything to do with. And so I thought it was completely irrelevant and just a crock of you know what. And so when I went to college, I was able to just throw it all off. And I didn't, I didn't have anything to do with anything. So fast forward a little bit. I had met this smoking hot blonde, um, just drop dead gorgeous. She shouldn't have anything to do with me. But um, she and I had met when we were 18, but I wasn't mature enough to I wasn't mature enough to have a relationship in any way, shape or form. Not that any of your listeners have ever been there, but I didn't, I lacked the maturity. Let's put it that way. And so we were apart for a long time Um, in God's good grace and favor of which I didn't really even know what that was back then. He allowed our paths to cross uh, once again. So here I am now, I'm 23, almost 24, smoking hot blondes back in my life. And she wants me to go to a Christian concert of which I just laugh at. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. And yeah. so we end up, um, we end up on, we're on the campus of uh, Ball State University, which is in Muncie, Indiana. And uh, Ball State had a, a recital hall that was about a five, 600 seat recital hall. And she's like, hey, there's this Christian band, it's a local band, it's just a group of friends of mine. It's nothing nobody, none of your listeners would ever heard of. But 
she's like, will you go with me? I'm like, well, you know, if you're going to be there, then heavens, yes, I'll go. And so we go to this, this Christian concert and it's, it's not good. Like, it's just not good at all. <laughs> and it's, and I had been a music, I had been a music major uh, when I first started off school. So I'd been in this recital hall a number of times. And, and so they're just, uh, they're not good. It's speed metal Christian. And I was an Allison change, you know, uh, sound garden, Pearl jam. I mean, it's, you know, this is, this is my life. And so they get kind of like in an intermission time and the guy had been playing guitar, he whips, he whips uh, a book out of his back pocket. And I really, I didn't think it was a Bible, but I didn't know what it was. So he just starts talking about the love of God, the forgiveness of sin, this relationship that, you know, this personal God was to have with you and the way that God's good spirit can fill you up. And I'm just like, what are you talking? I mean, I've been in every social circle under the sun and yet I've never heard a clearly articulated message like this. And he's, he's basically like, is there anybody here that would like to, you know, receive this love of Christ? And it's kind of fun because I think we'll go back to this whole receiving type thing uh, later on. But I'm like, well, who the, who wouldn't like that literally was my thought process. Who the heck wouldn't? And so I, I just shot my hand up again. I've never been to an altar call. I don't know any of this stuff. I just shoot my hand up like, well, yeah. Well, I look around. And again, this is a five, 600 seat auditorium. There's about 28 people there in this cavernous space, <laughs> all looking at me. Awesome. And I'm like, okay. So hand quickly down, smoking hot blonde. And I walk out of the venue. I light up a cigarette. I look at her and I say, well, here's, here's the deal. I ain't being no effing pastor. And she looks at me and she says, you better be careful. God's got a sense of humor. That is the wrong thing to say, man. So here we are, 23 years of ministry of being yeah. a whatever pastor. And yeah, so I think it's important to note that because this Jesus thing, this gospel thing, this Bible, this whatever you want to, all of this stuff came to me when I was in my mid-20s. So, I, you know, did I go to Sunday school? I think so, but I'm not 100% sure, and I'm not sure what it was. But this idea right. of Christ came alive in my mid-20s. And so from that moment on, I, I was working at a hospital. You, you said your daughter was working in a hospital. But I was working in the media and communications. So I actually do know a little bit, enough to be dangerous. <laughs> um, but I was the media grunt in a, in a large hospital here in, in, uh, in Indianapolis, on the north side of Indianapolis. And uh, I just started reading my Bible. I started praying. I started getting with other people. Like, tell me this. Like, I feel like, I feel like I've been out for 20 plus years and I got to catch up. And so yeah. it was just a hunger and a passion. So uh, from that, we got asked to come in uh, to a, a church here on the, on the west side of Indy. And they basically said, we, we don't have a job description for you. This is going to ring true with a lot of your listeners, I'm sure. We don't have a job description for you, but could you just come and just help us with whatever? We need a website. Like, I don't, we, we don't have a website. Again, man, this is a thousand years ago. Uh, so this, is this is like, like websites. Mid 90s. Like, yeah, yeah, we're in the mid 90s. And I'm like, sure, I guess. So I literally got a book on Dreamweaver. And Dreamweaver, you, you oh remember Dreamweaver? Oh, I, I, yeah, my, I cut my teeth on Dreamweaver, Who didn't man. Cut their teeth on Dreamweaver. So yeah, this was, and so from there, yeah. it just I got involved with the music and all kinds of stuff, and so we became the we just did everything, you know, mop yeah. the floor, lead the young adults, uh, lead worship, whatever. And I think God really smiled on the obedience side of it, and we had just a phenomenal time teaching young adults. In the meantime, I'm going to, you know, online Bible college because, you know, I've got a, a bachelor's degree in telecommunications, but I don't know anything about the Bible. Right. But so we, we kind of did that. We got into the, the worship scene for a while and we're able to make some albums. Uh, Integrity was kind enough to, uh, to sign a deal with us on our last album. And it was just it was a ball. I mean, we just had a ball. And I think in those moments, God was really starting to grow our heart for the city. Uh, downtown Indianapolis was, you know, back, back in those days, 2004, 2005, uh, was not a place you really wanted to come. Uh, you came for sporting events and then you got out as, as quick as you could. <laughs> and God just kind of, he just put it on our hearts. Um, yeah. and my wife had a whole team of ladies that were praying against it because I was just like, babe, I, 
I feel like we're supposed to go plant a church. And that's the a the single most ridiculous thing to ever come out of my mouth. But um, ends up, we came down with some some dear friends and a small group of people. And we planted here in the heart of the city back in 2009, 2010. And uh, so it had been shortly after that, uh, that we got connected with Luke. And I think I had gotten connected with Luke through integrity and some, some tours like that. But yeah, man, that's, we pastored that church until 2018 uh, when we resigned the church in order to do the ministry that I'm, that we're talking about here today. Right. Um, and then we took a full year off. Uh, God had given us uh, some investment properties uh, in the downtown that we were able to sell. And uh, we literally took a full year off. Yeah. And if you want to mess with your identity, if you want to mess with your who you are as a man or who you are as a believer, or who you are as just a human being in society, take a year off. See what that does to you. Yeah. I so, don't know what that's like. I have no idea what that would be like. I would like to do that. It was maybe, maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't. I'm not sure. It, you're you're actually you, you're actually scaring me by saying it like that. Maybe I won't, I don't want to take a year it off. It was interesting because we would ask people that were younger than we are, and we're we're almost 50 right now, but we would ask people that were younger than us and you could see the logistical wheels spin. You're going to take a year off. We're like, yeah, because we're going to transition from one thing to another and we don't want to transition too fast. And, you know, et cetera. So they're, they're watching the wheels spin and we've got right. three older kids, but we also had a, she would have been 10 at that, at that time, a little girl we had adopted from the Philippines a little later in, in, uh, in our parenting life. But, you know, it's not like we're on vacation permanently. So, we would ask the younger and they would logistic. We would ask older people and they had, we would have two responses. And if it was a couple, they would look at each other and like with regret and say, Oh, do yeah. you remember when we were going to, and then they would share whatever it was they were going to do. But right. we're obviously now at an age where they couldn't. Or the other response we got was yes. Best year of our life. Yeah. Yeah. And it was van. It was the single best year of our lives. So much dismantling, so much junk that got like, I mean, you know, the quote I was sharing with you from uh, Blaise Pascal, basically sitting by yourself alone in a room sometimes is the most difficult thing in the world. Oh, totally. Yeah. And just, yeah. yeah. So we, we went through that process ourselves so that we can be better equipped to help other people go through similar processes just like that. Well, that's awesome. I, I, um, yeah, I don't even know what I would I, I don't know if my wife is is ready to be with me every day for a year. <laughs> it's it, I, it, honestly okay. So these are all thought like we planned this out, right. and I read books and I wrote stuff down, and I'm this, that, and the other because I think I had a very good friend, a, a friend that uh, we actually did meet through Integrity. He's an old, older gentleman, lives out in uh, in uh, the Washington area right now, and um, he said, Nathan, don't waste this year. Don't let this year go to waste. And I guess if I'm being honest, in the back of my mind, I was like, well, that's kind of the point, right? Yeah. We're going to, and he was like, no, 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 no. And he was so gracious to take me through a couple of just ideas that we then took home and processed and kind of created. We just created chapters. Like chapter one was three months. Chapter two was three months. Chapter three was three months. You know, that kind of a deal. And the first one was just rest. And I got to be honest with you, Van, that was the most difficult chapter of all. Yeah. I don't know how to rest. Well, and that's, and I think that speaks to the community that we're, that we, that this podcast talks to is, um, I know how to work. I've literally talked to thousands of tech people in churches in my life. Yep. And the one common denominator, I think, is that most of us are workaholics. Yeah. We find our You're problem solvers. And yeah, there's and always problems. There's always problems. And I was just thinking the other day, I was thinking, you know, except for one church that I worked for, which was the first church I worked for, which by the way, I told God that I would never work at a church uh, three months <laughs> we, before we need I was to come on up with better ideas, <laughs> be, way better. I I'll never God, be a billionaire God ever. Never, right. Ever. Why didn't I say things like that? That yeah, is what the heck. Um, but three of the churches that I worked at there, they were, there was a problem they were having or multiple problems. And that was the reason that I came in. 
Yeah. So I spent my life being, in fact, I, I have said one of the, you know, one of the, one of the, my, the benefits of, of having me around is that I'm a good troubleshooter. So the problem with that is there's always trouble. There's always trouble. There's and always a problem. Always needs you. Always. And I think that's, and again, if I think if we're being honest, which I hope we just do anyway, but I think if we're yeah. being honest, there's part of us that is like, yeah, I'm that guy. I oh, we love it. I, I, <laughs> excuse me. I think that one of the Achilles heels of tech people in general is that they want to be the savior of the situation. Yeah, for they sure. want to come in and rescue and they want to be, you know, they want to, cause they think that that's, they, you, I mean, I, I have been like that in totally. um, in, in and, a majority of my life. So, but I mean, I, think about it. That is, it's almost like the, the child that's not getting any attention. And so they do something stupid and it's like negative attention is better than no attention. Well, if you become the guy that just solves everybody's problems, then all of a sudden you're going to get the accolades of, oh, wow, Van, gosh, thanks mm-hmm. again, man. Thanks for yep. saving me. Thanks for saving the church again. Yep. And after yeah, a while, absolutely. you start to There's, believe your own press. That's, yeah. And that is, yeah. Yeah. I, I spent, in fact, I will say that I spent a, a large majority of my life being v- always wanted to be in whatever the cool kids club sure. was, whatever that meant to me. I don't, I don't even know anymore. And I think that, and I, and I realized I'm never going to be in that club. Now I don't care. Now at my, this point in my life, I think you're leading the cool kids, whatever, club. I, I think that's whatever. It doesn't matter to me. Well, whether I am or not, I don't care. Right. You know what I mean? Like it, that, that has no value to me. And it also has no value. To, and I don't say this in a bad way, but it doesn't, it took me most of my life to not care what other people thought right. of me. Right. I really cared what people thought of me. Of I mean, it was really, I mean, I literally would lay in bed at night worrying about um, something, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, I was, and I'm only telling this story because I think it's because you will, you will totally get it. But um, I was doing an event. I was wearing a saddleback and I was doing an event uh, at a huge outdoor mall here in Southern California, down, down towards where saddleback main campus is. And so you've got, um, and I'll never forget Titanic was premiering at this Ooh. same time. So it was Christmas. So it was Christmas and we had this huge stage out there. We did this event every year. So you've got all these restaurants with outdoor dining. You've got thousands of people trying to get in hundreds and hundreds of people rather trying to get into the sea Titanic. And then the audience for this Christmas thing and we did, it was very ecumenical and we sprinkled some, you know, Christian, you know, you can be, sure. you can be Christian at Christmas, right? Hey, it's, right. it's easy. Um, and we, you know, a saddleback. So it was lots and lots of people on stage. Production was great. Everything was really good. I was digging it. I was feeling like this is one of the best mixes I've ever had. And some guy comes over from the cheesecake factory outside and walks up and basically tells me that I've ruined his dinner because the music is too loud and then just takes off, just walks away. And I have come to learn that this was a messenger, one of Satan's minions. Oh, yeah. Sent to buffet me. Yeah. And I literally, I literally was devastated, um, for months. Yeah. And you still remember it to this day. I totally remember it. (laughs) I totally remember, but, but here's the thing. And here's the thing. That was one of the shows that I got tons of compliments on how great it sounded. Yep. I was having a great time. People loved the show, tons of compliments, but what do I remember about that show? That, that dude from the cheesecake factory because I was, it was so important to me that everybody liked me some rando guy. And this is why I'm always, I always tell people don't go up to the pastor right before he's walking up on stage to preach and tell him that there's a light out in the bathroom, please. For the love of all that is good. The toilet is stopped up. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Because you know that, because basically it sucked all the joy out of what I was doing. Why did I right. care? And, and now if that happened and be like, okay, dude, have a great day, you know, <laughs> whatever. I don't I'm care. Sorry. You know, yeah. uh, you know, but that was, you know, that was 20 years ago and I was a lot younger and a lot more naive and, and, and it messes with you. But, you know, I think, and I think, and I think if you've got, if you have multiple scenarios like that, where stuff like that begins to pile on top of you and you have nowhere to process that, 
because there's probably a part of you that's like, I don't want to take this home to my wife again or my spouse again. I don't want to dump it on the kids. I can't really talk to anybody in, in you know, my circle, et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden it's like, what do you do with that stuff? Well, it just weighs you down. It just well, and nobody and 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 two things that I've learned about being married for a long time and being in ministry for a long time. One, um, churches need to do a way better job of having a place where people that are, especially tech people who tend to be a little passive aggressive and and are sarcastic and dark and that's just kind of part of who we are, um, can can express yes. what they're going through yep. in a safe place. You have to be able to without getting without it being punitive against them. Right. And two, what I tell young married guys is the biggest mistake I made in the first 20, 20 years of my marriage is that I kept forgetting that my wife was not my therapist. Yep. She's not. And your wife will take on, you say like, Oh, my boss really made me mad today. She'll kill that boss. She wants to kill him. And you were just <laughs> yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. He slammed my door or something. Right. Right. right, right, right. Because right. wives, want to defend their husbands and they because do. women feel so much deeper than men, they're so much more attuned to the spiritual. It's beautiful that you would have a spouse that would want to do that for you, but it's unhealthy Absolutely. over a long but, period of time. But you can't unload on them. And they'll never forget it either. No, I mean, won't. you could have told it 20 years ago and they're like, yep. I saw that dude in the store and I wanted right. to run him over with my cart. Well, in yep. five minutes, you know, guys are like, in five minutes, I want to go have a beer with him. Yeah, it's cool. I'm like, it's cool. It's it's all good. But 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 I learned those two things. One, if I want to have a good marriage, I can't dump things on my wife. Yeah, sure. And two, because it's a it's supposed to be the other way around. She can come to me, and then I go to the Lord. That's yeah. that is the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. And here's why you know that because I am the Christ. This is blasphemy in the world right now. But I am the representation. I know I'm the representation of Christ in the marriage. Right. She is the representation of the church in the marriage. Yep. Cast all your cares upon me. I take them yep. to the father. That, that is how we're supposed to do this. It's, well, and, and if, this, if you, if you, a man, you know, who works in the church and all that kind of stuff, if you're not able to continue that intimate relationship right. with the father, and now all of a sudden you don't have an intimate relationship with your wife because yep. of whatever baggage and, and damage is happening in you, how's that going to play out? It's going to, it's going to play out terrible. I mean, we have terrible. PKs and MKs for a reason, right? Right. Well, and I, mean, and I will tell you that a lot of my marriage, we had a lot of rocky times because did I didn't understand that. And, and we have rocky times right now when I don't right. remember that. Well, and, and then so, some of that's like roles and responsibilities. And it's, I, I think again, though, a lot of men and women that are in church settings are carrying so much pain from the church setting yeah. or from a previous church setting or from a previous, previous church setting that they just can't process things. And so the reality of trying to process something with your spouse, when you are not able to process anything that's going on in your life right now, is just going to end up not so good. Right. Yeah. In any way, shape or form. Absolutely. So, and I think that's what we saw. Yeah. That's what we saw, you know, and, and I think it's interesting because I think the tech directors of the world, the men and women that work uh, within that industry, especially in ministries, they see things that other people don't see. You see the dark they, under, they underbelly see of the, the church. dark underbelly. They do. And, <laughs> yep, and I true. think it's, it's almost sad to say yeah. because there are so many dark underbellies. Now, please, I, I think both you and I would say a great majority of the men and women that are out there that are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ are amazing folks. But both of us believe that the local church is the hope of the world. You see them in very vulnerable spaces. Yeah, ab absolutely. You see part them of, tense, of, you see them whatever. Part of your job as a tech director, I believe, or a, a, whether you're volunteer or, or, sure. or paid, is you do have a responsibility to appropriately understand that there's a lot of pressure on leadership in an organization. Um, we have talked a lot about, uh, I believe that um, uh, there is spiritual warfare happening in a church All staff, Sure, and we don't talk about it in the modern church. If I'm the bad guy, I'm always going to be trying to divide. I, and I, I want to make sure, you know, for, for our listeners, we're not excusing any kind of abusive no. behavior in any way. Not at all. That's just wrong. No, it's, no. It is what it is. We're talking I, about the, there's a, there's a, 
There's a maturity and an understanding of what is happening inside. I, this we, is totally- we, all, we always treat the result, but we right. never treat the source or the symptoms. And unless that, that's, sometimes that's what you've we do. been, you know, if you haven't ever been in that position, you know, if I've never been behind a board, running a board, when something goes wrong, I don't know what it's like to pit out instantly. Like all of a sudden you're like, wow, my armpits are soaking wet because I cannot figure out where that screech is coming from. It's like, you know, I've only got 48 channels here. Which one is it? And so I think, you know, if you haven't been on the other side of it and maybe you've, you know, you've been in some deep counseling session with as a, as a pastor or ministry leader, and now you've got to go speak or, you know, there's been a death or a tragedy, whatever. I, this is, this is kind of off topic, but uh, our family loves the comedian Nate Bargatsky. I we just do. Uh, he's from Tennessee. He's got two specials on Netflix, and they're just freaking funny. Well, his second one came out I think yesterday or the day before, and we were watching it last night, and it was filmed in L.A. and it was filmed outside. So it, it, I don't I don't know if you've seen this, but it's outside again. He's a he's a guy used to thousands inside. He can see their faces. They're laughing. They're enjoying the things that go on from just being together. Here he is now in socially distanced tables right. outside. Mm. People have masks on. Some people have come together, but there are other tables where there's just one person sitting. And, and so he's up on a stage outside. People are in masks and helicopters are flying overhead <laughs> and he's literally stopping every and you can watch him like if you watch the special now that you know this is going on you'll see him kind of glance off because he'll finally say i see them coming from way off there and right. i just wonder what direction they're coming in right are they and coming to get me and so in my mind i'm sitting there thinking as a person who's been on stages before there's a lot of stuff you got to manage yeah there's you've just got to be sharp and focused and like you said, if there's lack of understanding or empathy from the team that's right. helping make these moments happen, or if there's something that could be said somewhere else that gets said right as the person's walking up, you, you've kind of damaged that focus. So again, right. it doesn't excuse bad behavior. No, I think it's just maturity to know, hey, timing might not be the best to share, you know, that the toilet has stopped up again. You know. Right. Well, and, and the fact of the matter is, you know, um, one of our biggest I always believed this, um, that one of the things people in the booth, they have a responsibility to protect the people while they're on stage from embarrassment, from distractions, from all those things in in as much that they can do. I mean, you know, you know, but I mean, mean, that does go back to the relational component of which I'm sure a lot of the folks listening uh, you know, and, and the relationship with their senior leader or whoever it is that they're, they're serving is sometimes tumultuous mm-hmm. and it always feels like, well, he's the, he's the anointed one. I gotta, you know, okay, right. yeah. let's be mature. Let's have good relationships with each other. So that when, like you said, those moments that you could embarrass said person, you don't, you right. protect, right? Because yeah. you feel for the person deeply and relationally. Well, and that, and that's, you know, that's why you've got to have a relationship in the, folks that listen to this podcast and listen to church check weekly and listen to other stuff. They all know that for me, you have to have a good relationship with your pastor, your worship pastor, whoever yeah. you work for you. I mean, literally like uh, uh, Lee Fields always says it's really hard. It's really hard for you to get angry at the bass player when you know his, his kids names. Right. Right. It is. You know, that's, and a great, so, that's a great way to say it. You know, and so, um, and that's on both sides of the coin. It's on both sides of the coin. Well, let's talk about what you are doing, what you are doing to yeah, help, sure. um, help people in ministry. It's not just tech people, but it's certainly, it's certainly, uh, no, no, totally. It will totally help, totally help tech people. And the reason that I want to talk about it is because I know that, um, tech people are the first, they are the last people that would want to take it. <laughs> but they are probably on the, the first people that need it. Yeah. I think um, it's, I think it goes back to what you said about you and Mike sitting in the back of an auditorium. I've been there myself and trying to receive, you know, the Bible's pretty, pretty open with it's more blessed to give than to receive. Okay, great. At some point though, it's really good to receive at some well, point. You though, can't, you can't give if your tank's empty. You can't. And I think that's, you know, as we were talking earlier, I think, I think we have a theological issue here. And I, I really do believe this. And I, 
I am not a scholar. There are scholars in the world. I've met them. They're smart men and women. But I think this one's pretty plain. I think whenever the man walks up to Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus, what, like, let's talk about the greatest commandments. What, what are the things? And I know churches that have these things plastered all around. And they've boiled it down because we love small things and, and you know, short, short snippets. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. And that's, that's great. I think it's wonderful. I think it's also theologically incorrect. Because where are you in that mix? When right. Jesus says that to that, whoever the guy was that came up and asked, he says, you love the Lord, your God, and he goes through the whole list of with everything that you are, basically. And then he says, you love your neighbor as yourself. And for some reason, we neglected self in that mix. And just... Well, because if you don't, if you don't love yourself well... You cannot love your neighbor your, well. Neighbor, so, absolutely. But, well, it's back to what we talked about with the mask exactly. on the plane. If you, if you can't drop yeah. it yourself and take care of yourself, there's no way you're going to be able to take care of the, your, your young kid or right. your neighbor or whatever. Uh-huh. But... Just what you said, people are often trying to pour out of something that's not filled up. And so if you think, though, about the model that's been thrown out there, love God, love people. Well, where in that where in that model do I fill up? Because I I don't hear it. But if but if I told you, hey, love God, take care of yourself. And I mean, let's go as far as to say love yourself like Jesus says and then love your neighbor. If I stack those three. Now that's different. Now all of a sudden, I am, I am loving the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, strength, et cetera, et cetera. I am loving the way I'm designed. I'm loving the way I was created. I'm loving the way that you know, my personality is bent, the things I enjoy, the desires of my heart that you know, line up with, with the way my heart would be if I loved the Lord my God with all my heart, et cetera. But it's like, I actually can fill up and not feel guilty. I actually can receive like you and Mike in the back of an auditorium and not feel guilty. Because I know that in my mandate, I'm going to be called to pour that out in some way, shape, or form. Right. And yet, I see a lot of men and women, and myself included, we've been in these spaces where we are void of anything spiritually nourishing or satisfying in ourselves, and yet we're still pouring out. And then when somebody's like, we should love God, you're almost irritated. You're like, (laughs) well, he's the one that got me in this position the way it is. Right. Well, and I don't think we, we, we're, we settle on that because it, it, the thing is too, is that, you know, we, the, our society right now talks about a lot about self self care, sure, whatever, sure, sure, you know, sure. whatever that means, whatever that buzzword is self care. But, and I guess I am, I guess we are talking about that, but I don't want to make it seem right. so uh, hippy dippy. I want it to be like, look, if you, um, if you, you cannot help other people, Right. If you don't have energy, the gas in your tank, right. the, the, the ability, oil in your lamp, I mean, whatever uh, you want to Whatever use. you want to yeah. call it, you I, cannot help other people if you have no uh, energy to help them. You can't. And you have to build. That energy doesn't come from working harder. Right. It doesn't come from trying harder. No. Nope. It doesn't come from any of those things. It comes from there has to be a time when the car pulls into the pit. And I think has to be what we've done, and, and I know this was my experience and it may be the experience of, of yourself and maybe some of your listeners, but I can remember sitting around plenty of boardrooms and our models were based on uh, churches or other faith expressions that were just blowing up, that were just doing a thousand other things. I can still remember modeling some of the things, two things, two quotes I remember. It's the most important hour uh, of the week, Sunday, the Sunday morning is the most important hour of the week. And I think some of your listeners will know who that's attributed to and his end did not turn out so well. And then the other one that I remember is we want to be the church that never sleeps. Now, I think yeah. there are some fallacies in that, that, and, and back to your soul care comment that will help make this not hippy dippy, because I agree with you. Anytime I hear like, it's just got to take care. We got to go get a massage and we got, you know, okay, well, yeah. maybe, Maybe you do. And, and some people are cool but, with that, but I like guys but, like me, I'm like, nah, but whatever. here's, here's, here's what I realized when <laughs> back when I was working in corporate America, if corporate America said, Hey, we're going to take a retreat. It was like, Oh, great. So I get to be away from my wife and kids and we're going to go off somewhere and we're going to work on work. So 
so it's not enough that I work here five days a week. You're going to now take my weekend as well. And we're going to do more work. So that was a retreat in my corporate mindset. Right, right. When I came into the church world, it was like, Hey, we're going to go on a retreat. It's like, Oh, fantastic. I'm going to be with a bunch of strangers in a cabin and we're going to be linking arms and playing guitars. And I, I, you know, have to, all my feelings are going to be on display. And yeah. I just, I don't want to do that. So both of those things are like, ugh. the other thing with retreat is it literally is to turn back from a fight. Like right. if you think of, you know, Lord of the Rings or whatever, whatever battle movie you want to, you want to talk about retreat would be, we're turning away from the fight, but here's the interesting thing. And here's what makes it not hippy dippy. It makes it biblical. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. It's in right. your Bible. It's in my Bible. It's in everybody's Bible. And so you have to ask the question, uh, how many times did he withdraw? Yeah. Often. Often. Yeah. Where, where, where did he go? Lonely places. What did he do? He communed with his father right. because he was asked to pour out. This is, this is the son of God was asked to pour out in such a way that he could not do unless he was filled up. Right. There's no way he could have accomplished anything right. unless and, he and, communed with his father. And the thing is, is that people go, well, yeah, but it was Jesus, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, look, let's say he was only doing that for to be an example. Let's say he was, let's say he sure, didn't really sure, need sure, to sure. do that because he was Jesus, you know, because people, that's a common thing. Well, it was, you know, it was, he was God. Right. And I'm like, yeah, but he had the burdens of man yeah. on him because of his flesh. And he, yeah, he had flesh. I mean, the guy slept. Come on. Yeah. Well, the, I do. I actually do love the new, I've seen it. I've seen it two or three times that says, G, it's a shirt that says Jesus took naps, be like Jesus. And I love that shirt. I actually Beautiful. do. I love that shirt. It's, and, but I think again, if, if we were in some kind of hyper situation, th think about it this way. If I walk into work on Monday and I, you and I meet each other and I'm like, gosh, we had a heck of a weekend. You know, the kids had soccer and we had to do this and we had to do that. You know, obviously church yesterday was crazy and blah, 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 blah. Van, how was your weekend? And you were like, dude, it was, it was great. You know, I, I slept my normal eight hours. In fact, I slept nine hours on Saturday because we slept in a bit and we just kind of sat together and we, we just enjoyed the weekend together. Now, Am I going to look at you and be like, wow, Van, that's great. Thanks for being an incredible example of probably how Jesus would have us to live. No, I'm going to be like, must be nice. Yeah. But you, you get to do whatever you want to do. I'm over here killing it, slaving for it. That's your choice. Not. That's your no, choice. Well, and again, though, it's like the affirmation comes from the busyness. The right, affirmation yeah. comes from, I'm, oh, wow, yeah. I'm burning myself out here. Ooh, you're the best. You're a great worker. What if, right. what if you were to hire somebody that said, well, I live a pretty balanced life. I work about 40, 45 hours a week because I've realized that statistically and physiologically after that point, you don't get anything done. Right. That is for true. Mm -hmm. And I've realized that I actually have to take a Sabbath because my body needs to rejuvenate and rest. And it's some kind of command. Like it's in there, it's in the 10, but I really didn't pay attention to it before I pay attention to it now. And so I just, yeah, I'm a little bit more relaxed in that sense and I'm ready to pour out. We'd yeah. be like, okay. Well, you know, the crack up is that smart. What I, what I hate is when, you know, the thing on the, uh, I've never had to, to do this. Thank goodness. But I love on the, the, you know, when they, when they're evaluating a new employee and they go, so what's your biggest, um, what's your biggest uh, uh, fallacy or what's, what's your biggest Achilles sure. heel or whatever. And people always write, I think I just work too much. I'd be like, you know what, here's the deal. You may put that, but that is not, I think where I am now, I don't, I am the luxury right now of working in a company where I have right. no employees under me. It's the first time in my life when I went back into integration, I didn't have employees anymore. I didn't have people that, that, that reported to me. Um, and, but man, I'll tell you what, if I have people report to me now and they talk like that, I'd be like, mm, I'm probably not going to hire you, dude. But, okay. Two but things. That one, one, either it's a lie. Right. Sure. <laughs> or two, because you think that's what I want you to say, right. or two, if you are a workaholic and you can never shut off, then I don't know how much good you're going to be to me. You're just not, you're yeah. not going to be any good. You weren't right. designed that way. And I right. think that's, 
You know, for me, I look around at the leadership of this world, whether it be in the sphere of, you know, education, whether it be in healthcare, like your, like your daughter, whether it be in uh, politics, whether it be in ministry, it doesn't matter. Our leaders are burning out at an alarming rate. What the heck is going on? And why do we continue to approve that type of lifestyle, especially in the church? I think our, you know, there's a, there's a great story in the Old Testament and Saul was, was gung-ho and ready to, to go off to battle and, and kill a bunch of people and all that kind of stuff. And it, it literally says in, in the message version, but the priests slowed them down. And I can't help but think whenever I read that passage, a lot of times our priests, our pastors speed people up. Right. We, we almost demand more from them. We almost demand that they, 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 they just keep going and they'll get all the rest they need when they're dead. You know, let's burn right. for Jesus. And it's like, wait, Jesus' pattern was very different than that. So right. how, do, how do we help? Here's, here's you know, to, to go back and answer your question. I think years ago, um, our family suffered a pretty big tragedy. Uh, we, had, uh, we had moved churches, planted down here. That wasn't the tragedy, but planted down here. Uh, we had adopted internationally. So, you know, we went from three kids to four and, and anyone who's adopted knows that that's, that's an incredible challenge. So planting a church, adopted, and then right out of the blue, Trisha's parents died. Boom, boom. Um, died within 52 days of each other, mm-hmm. out of the blue. And our hearts, were, our hearts were broken. And Trish looked at me one day and she's just like, baby, you got to get me out of here. And like an awesome husband do you know what my first freaking <laughs> comment was? Hey, babe, what about the church? Uh, yeah. And she literally looked at me and I kid you not. She said, I don't care. They'll all find somewhere else to go and you know it. I was like, I, okay, this is what. So yeah. we, we escaped to Europe with our, with our four kids, which we said was actually just like relocating our chaos. But we escaped to Europe, right. and I'm telling you, man, we were waking up crying in our sleep. Um, we were just in a lot of emotional pain. And we kept thinking while we were there, and, and we were there for actually six weeks, and we just kept thinking, man, place really matters. Like a change of place is helping our hearts. This space that we had, and we were we were all over Europe, but we spent a lot of time in, in Italy because who wouldn't spend a lot of time in Italy? But we would, we would wake up in these beautiful, you know, incredible uh, scenic picturesque spaces and beautiful Tuscan villas, all that kind of stuff. And we're like, our hearts started to come back alive again. And we would take long walks and we would just talk and there were no responsibilities. I mean, my email after about a week and a half was just silent and my phone didn't ring because, well, it didn't work over there. And so all of a sudden we just, (laughs) we began to heal. And I think what we realized when we came back was space is really important, a a change of space, but we needed a face in that mix too. We needed someone or a couple, someone who knew how to empathize with us, someone who knew how to sit with us in our pain, not solve our problems, but sit with us and help us to process what was happening because we were going through all kinds of uh, range of emotions. So it really got planted in our heart. That was about uh, we went to, let's see, her parents died in 13. We went there in 14 to Europe. And when we came back, we were like, you know what? What if we, what if we just started a place like that? What if we started some kind of a space where people could also have a face where they could get the coaching or they could get the empathy or they could get just the hospitality where just like you and Mike, they could just receive. Those who are used to pouring out could just come in and, and receive. We would be ready for them. And so you fast forward, we took that year off. We actually, in that year, went back to Italy and discovered that one of the places that we wanted to go was a part of a large network that was doing that very thing, an organization called Life Impact. Life Impact just basically strengthens Christian leaders all over the world. It's what they do. They're homes from Greece to Charlotte, North Carolina, and everywhere in between. So we got involved with that. Our hope is to open our own oasis, which is what these retreat spaces are called, which will be run out of our home, but a totally separate level uh, for our guests. Uh, we're hoping to open one in Georgia. Just there's a big lake. It's about 45 minutes uh, northeast of uh, Atlanta, uh, Lake Lanier. So it's a beautiful right. space. It's incredibly picturesque. Uh, we've got a house picked out there. Our house is for sale. If any of your listeners want to buy a house in downtown Indianapolis, it's for sale. But awesome. uh 
Yeah, I think that's, we want to be able to offer people rest, retreat, encouragement, safety, and trust. We want to offer that to people. We're not your board. We're not your donors. We're not your community. We're not your parish. We're not your people, but we're here to listen and we're here to help you walk through life. And that's all of what Life Impact does, no matter where you go. Right. Yeah. That's what I wanted to, I mean, honestly, if you want to get involved in this, where, where do people, where can people go to find out more about this and all that stuff? Yeah. There's a couple of sites they can go. They can go to lifeimpact.care. That's the main Life Impact website. You can see uh, some of the spaces that are available. In fact, I think there's one getting ready to open uh, in and around San Diego, close to you. Uh, There's a couple North of you up in uh, Bend, Oregon, uh, and then another one even further up in Washington. But uh, so lifeimpact.care, or if you want to connect with us personally, uh, we have a website called refreshingtherefreshers.org. So refreshingtherefreshers.org. We just took that Proverbs 11.25 that says, those that refresh others will themselves be refreshed. We're like, yeah, let's do that. Let's refresh other people. If you can get a leader refreshed, he'll lead better. If you can get a leader's marriage, like, in a, in a place where they're actually talking to each other and laughing again, they're going to lead better. If you can right. get a family that's been torn apart by the demands of leadership, if you could bring them together in some kind of a recreational space around men and women that are going to serve them and listen to them, you're going to make the family stronger. You're going to make leadership stronger. I believe it with all right. my heart. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and folks, one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to Nathan is because this applies to people in tech ministry. You are this a leader if this, you're in tech ministry. This isn't about though this isn't about you know so much focus is put we have two really good conferences that every tech should try to go to especially if you're a tech leader two two conferences a year. One is Salt, one is Philo. They both talk about helping the people that are helping the people yes. that's us that's us you in guys. tech ministry yep, for sure. and 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 both whether it's you know Luke's heart or Todd's heart or it's the same heart for yep. the tribe yep. and one of the reasons that I wanted to have Nathan on is because this is a thing that you need to seek out yep and and, and I think if, the really cool thing about a two van if I could jump in is yeah the cost side of it is minimal to you from a financial standpoint. Most of our Oasis are set up with simply a suggested donation. Right. So you you think it's out of your reach. It's probably Yeah. If it's out of your reach, it's not because Life Impact designed it that way. I mean, it was designed 20 years ago. It's designed to be able to help the man or woman that doesn't unnecessarily financially burden them. Now, if you're, you know, coming from mega land somewhere and and you've got this in your budget, well, you're way ahead of the curve because I think this you needs should. to be in people's budgets. You should but, have it in the budget, yeah. Yeah, and I think, honestly, there's a, you know, if you look at what's happening right now with, with leadership, if you look at some of the damages that have happened inside of churches, I, I, I will say this to my dying day. I think elder boards and I think the church finance committee need to do a better job of investing in the men and women that are on their staffs. And by that, I mean this. Take two grand for each person and just put it into something that's going to refresh, that's going to relax, that's going to renew, that's going to take care of those men and women that pour out for you constantly. And don't, don't be like, Oh, they can come to our house. No, 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 no. Some of this needs to be a bit anonymous from the standpoint of they need to go somewhere where they are not known. Right. There, you know, there are men and women that, you know, walk into our oasis and they are, the celebrity, this, that, and the other, and they got books on the New York Times bestseller. We don't care. Right. It doesn't matter. We'll serve you just like we'd serve the missionary in Cambodia that nobody knows his name. Right. That's that's how we're going to do this. But I think men and women right now, in, especially in churches, our elder boards, our finance communities, our congregations, we need to invest in our tech directors. We need to invest in our worship leaders, in our youth pastors, right. in our senior leadership. It has to happen. And it's yeah. got to happen now. And please, tech people, the, like I said, this conversation is crafted to you. you you're the ones who listen to this Take podcast. You're the one that know all this stuff. This is not, there's so, <laughs> I was on church staff, church staffs for 20 years. And I will tell you that there's a lot of resources strictly 
for pastors. Now this resource is for pastors, but don't sure. think this resource is not for you as a technical leader, as a person in production, um, right. as a person in worship. If I know we have worship leaders that, that, that listen to this podcast, it's, it's, it's for you too. And it's so important because you are supporting your pastor. You're supporting the ministries of the church. You're serving all these ministries. And if you crash and burn, the entire church will suffer in some way, shape or form. Can they do it without you? Maybe, uh, probably. Um, can they get another person to replace you? Why? Why should yeah. they have to do that? Instead, invest in yourself, invest in your team. Here's a, the other thing is I will tell you this from I've, I led big teams and I led small teams, but I had a hard time leading the teams if I was jacked up, if I was not in a For good sure. place. Yep. And, and um, I made a lot of mistakes along the way because of those things. So invest in yourself, refuel yourself, let God touch you, let yep. God speak to you and that will that trickles down to everybody that is serving with you and it also flows up to the people you serve well and i think it it flows into your families it flows into your marriages i think the yeah. idea you know give me 2 seconds this this idea of rest this retreat encouragement safety and trust the retreat side of it jesus often withdrew you should mm -hmm. withdraw. You could do that daily. I mean, it doesn't matter where you live. I, I live in downtown Indianapolis. Van, I leave my house dang near every morning at 530 in the morning and walk to the downtown and walk back. If I can do that, you can do that no matter where you are. It doesn't right. matter. Yeah. So retreat can be a, a daily thing. But I think in, in kind of what we're talking about, it's great to get away. I think Mark Batterson said a uh, change of, of uh, I'm going to butcher it, change of space, change of place, change of perspective, something like that. I right. think when you get away, you do get a different perspective. And a lot of yeah. these homes, you know, again, are, are designed. And there are other ministries that do this as well. You know, a quick Google search, you can, you can find some of these. But the right. retreat aspect is important. The encouragement side, you can do that daily through God's word. You can do that daily through having great relationships with other people. But sometimes you just need to get away and be encouraged by another brother or sister in Christ. Yeah. Somebody who will just sit there and will listen to you and can offer like, you know, apples of gold and settings of silver. We need encouragement. I mean, goodness gracious, we've got enough discouragement to last all of us a lifetime. For sure. What if, well, I mean, what if we could just be a little bit more on the lookout to encourage one another? It's not hard. And I'm not talking about, you know, blowing sunshine so that, you know, you can get ahead. It's not, that's, that's manipulative. I'm just talking about genuine encouragement. I think the, the safety side, the S and rest, the safety side is where I will encourage people. And I will say this also to my dying day. If you need counseling, go get counseling. If you need somebody to help you unpack some of the baggage that you're carrying, what makes you think that you've got this all figured out? I mean, yeah. come on. If you, if you broke your arm, you'd go to a doctor. If somebody broke your heart, why wouldn't you go to a counselor? Why yeah. wouldn't you go? Let's remove that stigma. I mean, good grief. Go get the help that you need. And if it's something in the past, go see a counselor. If you're struggling with something in the future, go see a coach. Go see someone who can coach you through where you're at right now and where you want to be. That's, right. that's not that bad. And sometimes that's a professional. Sometimes yeah. that's somebody that you, you know, maybe pay. You pay a doctor. Maybe there's somebody that you can pay. All of our uh, Life Impact Oasis hosts are also coaches. Some yeah. of them are also licensed counselors. I know there's a, a couple in uh, South Carolina that, that were, they're missionary counselors. Like right. this is their gig. Um, yeah. So the S is safety, the T is trust. And there's a process that we ask people to just go through. It's your life and your life matters. And so for us, we want to help you become the best version of you that you can be. That's what we do. That's our gig. We wash feet. We receive people in so that they can receive all that God has for them. You give a man or a woman space just to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It may be the first time they have stopped in years. Yeah. And all of a sudden they realize God has been speaking all along. Yeah. Uh, what are the two, the two websites again are? Yeah. Lifeimpact.care. Uh, and again, that shows all of the oasis uh, that are around the world. And then our personal one is refreshingtherefreshers.org. Cool. And they can reach you there too. Yeah, you have they a, can reach e us there. Other? My email's on there. Cool. Um, yeah, just give us a call. And again, we've, you know, we've fielded calls from 
boards that are trying to figure out how to serve their staff well. And I think, again, that's super important to educate boards. And we've yep. just gotten calls from men and women who are saying, hey, I'm about to burn out. I'm like, don't, don't cool. do that. Yeah, We've got to offer, we've got resources for you. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on. Thank um, you, man. You and I, will we're going to do this again. I think, um, I think uh, we should do this every, I don't know, a couple Evans, months, yes. and just just and talk we should about do it in Riverside. And we should just, yeah. Well, anytime, come on down. The weather's always good for the most part. Um, we got we got down to a blisteringly cold forty degrees uh, the other day, and that was about it. Sympathy. It was yeah, twenty eight this morning, man. Twenty eight. I, I understand. I I understand. But we pay more. We pay for this good weather. Anyway, Nathan, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll have all his links on the show notes. So if you guys want to talk about that, see how they can help you go there at thesoundbooth.com or churchtechprofiles.com. And there you go. That was my interview with Nathan LaGrange. He is such a great guy. I could just talk to that guy for hours. As I said before, his information will be on the show page at thesoundbooth.com. Just look for this podcast that you're listening to, and you'll be able to click on links to find out more about his ministry and what he's doing. Obviously, please go to iTunes, like, give us a five-star, go to Instagram, Church Tech Profiles, Facebook, Church Tech Profiles, Twitter, Church Tech Pro, spread the word. We've got some amazing new podcasts that are about to happen. I wish I could tell you right now, but we are so close to launching. In the very next episode, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be telling you the launching date and time and all those good things so watch out on the socials it's going to be awesome thank you guys so much love all of you stay encouraged and we'll talk to you later